Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Dr. Elizabeth Englander, and we'll be talking about her new book, The 25 Myths About Bullying and Cyberbullying. In the past few months of mandated quarantine against COVID-19, children have been far more likely to either be cyberbully or be the focus of a cyberbully, as structured and unstructured time seems to blur. Many parents are struggling to find a work-school-life balance for themselves and their children. This book will give the reader the tools they need to tackle the underlying causes and meet the needs of the child who is acting as the cyberbully or the one who is the focus of the cyberbully and stop the behavior from occurring in the future as well. Dr. Elizabeth Englander is founder and executive director of the Massachusetts Aggression Reduction Center at Bridgewater State University, a center which delivers programs, resources, and research to more than 400 schools every year nationwide. As a researcher and professor of psychology for 25 years, she is a nationally recognized expert in the area of bullying and cyberbullying, childhood causes of aggression and abuse, and children's use of technology. Dr. Englander is the chair of the Cyberbullying Workgroup for the Institute of Child Development and Digital Media, collaborating with the National Academy of Sciences. Each year, Dr. Englander trains and supervises graduate and undergraduate students and collaborates with multiple agencies around the state of Massachusetts and across the nation. For more information, you can visit her website, which is www.englanderelizabeth.com. So that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Englander to the show. Good day. Oh, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure, and you know this this is one particular topic that i I just love to be able to uh bring to the listeners because it's one I just don't think we can uh, ever give it too much attention so um as I mentioned in the interview i mean in introduction um, <laughs> you know it is in this particular time of of covid nineteen um it provides some um very unique experiences so just so that the listener will get an um, an idea of um, how our current environment, um, what, what the impact of our current environment is on the issue of bullying. Well, that's a, a really good question. And in some ways, of course, uh, things have calmed down. Children aren't in school. They haven't been in school for many months. And so all the bullying that they might have encountered while they were at school isn't there anymore. But on the other hand, uh, what we've seen is um, some anecdotal evidence that cyberbullying is increasing. We know that screen time has increased dramatically. And we also know that when kids don't get a chance to socialize with other kids, 
their social skills tend to deteriorate, and that sometimes leads to problems, social problems like fighting or bullying. So it it can make it worse. Yeah. Well, now one of the things that the topic of the day is uh, the the reopening of of schools, and um, so. You know, as um, an educator and, and recognizing, you know, uh, the importance of, of school, what, what is your, what's your view on um, how things, you know, in, would be ideal for you to see as far as um, a kind of return to school at, at all levels? Right. Well, returning to school is actually complicated. And, um I do have a, a, there is a sort of second booklet that we put out in June that is on Amazon and it's called When the Kids Come Back. And it's sort of a guide designed to help parents and schools prepare for the return to school. And it's paying attention to things like how are kids going to react when they get back to school and they're in a situation they haven't been for six months Um, Of course, we know academically they're going to be all over the place. There are going to be some kids who will be totally caught up and many others won't. And uh, socially, what we usually find when we look at past research into natural disasters, what we usually find is that when kids go back to school, they tend to vary a lot in their response. So some kids might Mm. be really withdrawn and have a difficult time connecting. Other kids might want to talk about what's happened to them and what's going on. And so um, one of the things we really need to do, I think, as grown-ups, as parents and as educators, is prepare ourselves for what the kids are going to need when they go back to school. So the book 25 Myths About Bullying and Cyberbullying can really help as a parent. Um, It's designed to help you sort of arm yourself by understanding some of the facts and not getting distracted by some of the myths that, that you, may, you may have heard or you may think about. Um, but the, other, the second book that I just referenced is really designed for this specific situation to help yeah. schools and yeah. parents get back into school, because that's going to be very challenging, I think. Yeah, I would think so. And you're so right as far as the – variety the the variation of um preparedness of the the student you know to come back depending on you know how, how you know easily or how well they were able to you know keep up with you know with lessons and, and that kind of thing so yeah it, it's going to be a, certainly a new world um so now what you know why did you write this particular book and, and you know put kind of put it out there is the 25 Myths, you know, as uh, the eye-catching mm. title. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, I think that bullying has changed so much. From I'm a parent myself, and so I know how much it has changed from the time when I was in high school or in middle school. And part of the problem with it changing so much is that some of the things that used to be true really aren't true anymore. So you as a parent, we might come to this problem and say, well, this worked for me, 
And so it was a good mm-hmm. strategy. And I'm going to tell my child to do it. But it may turn out that that's a terrible strategy now. And that whereas it might have worked 40 years ago or 30 years ago, it's not going to work now. And then, of course, you have the whole advent of digital technology and how much that has changed everything, right? I mean, it's changed everything about how children socialize and interact with each other. So I really felt like parents needed a book that would say to them, you know, here's, here's what we know now. And don't get distracted by what might have worked for you 25 years ago. Instead, um, here's what we know about what seems to work today. Yeah, that's really important because you're right. I mean, going just everything is just so different with with the technology aspect, you know, in, injected into the situation, and you know, and in the fact that in some cases in in that um, environment, there's the anonymous. Um, the ability to be anonymous, you know, and kind of faceless, and, and you know that um, that adds a new twist to it as well. Yeah, well, that's actually a good example of a myth because one of the things oh, uh, that's a myth okay. is the idea that that cyberbullies are always anonymous. That's actually not true. When kids are little, a lot of times, if somebody sort of goes after them online or in a game. They won't know who it is. But when kids are older, they usually do know who it is. And it's usually somebody who's also uh, bullying them in school. So not always, but usually. And so um, you, you see, that's a, that's a good example because if I'm a parent and my child says, well, somebody's being mean to me on this game, and I think, well, it's probably just somebody hiding behind a computer, right? So what can we do? There's sort of nothing we can do. Whereas if you understand the actual reality that kids have today, you would say, oh, okay, hold on a minute. Is somebody at school being mean to you? Because that could be the same person who's being mean to you in this game. And that might help you get further. You know, that might help you figure out what to do and, and who's, who's uh, attacking your child. And so that's why it's a really good idea to understand sort of the reality of where kids are today. And it's all based on the research that we do in Massachusetts and Colorado. And uh, we study uh, very large groups of kids every year and try to figure out sort of where kids are at, you know, what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And it's really helpful in sort of understanding what works, what doesn't work, and, um, you know, what, what the truth is today versus what it used to be like. Yeah. Boy, that would be fun and fascinating you know, each year to see the difference because, I mean, the current, I'm sure, is so much faster than it used to be as far as changes and, and you know, um, just just the whole, you know, state of being a team. Um, yeah, so, it, it, it yeah, changes that's... so fast. It changes so fast today that you really, you know, as a society, we really need people whose job is just to study kids every year and sort of try to keep track of what's going on. And and because everything, every year, everything changes. And, um, you know, uh-huh. we're, 
it's a job to keep up with them. That's for sure. <laughs> I know. I bet. I bet. You know, probably our parents thought the same thing. You know, and that and our our speed relation to their speed is probably you know similar in, in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, well, now let's kind of talk a little bit about um, you know your book includes bullying and cyberbullying. You know, and, and mm-hmm. so can we? Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe um, the unique aspect of of each? You know, what what is unique about each? Um, yeah. So that can, because I would think that there are, are a lot of similarities, but there also has to be some uniqueness about each of those as well. Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, I think the thing to understand about bullying is that it, it's a very emotional word. So. People, people get very emotional at the idea of somebody being mean to their child, which is completely understandable. And I do, too, when somebody's mean to my child. I mean, it's, you know, it's part of life, but mm-hmm. it's not a fun part of life. Bullying, though, is a situation where either one person or a group of people is sort of waging a campaign against a target. And the target cannot mm. defend for some reason, whatever the reason is, maybe they have less social power um, or, uh, you know, um, maybe they're friends with the wrong person or they're different in some way, but they cannot defend themselves. And the idea is to make this person's life miserable. So it's not just somebody being mean once. It's not like somebody, it's not like when your friend gets mad at you and you have a quarrel. You know, and two days later, mm-hmm. it's open. Yeah. Um, not like that. It, it's a situation where somebody is really going after you, trying to make your life miserable. But I think that people attach so much emotion to the word bullying. I remember very clearly mm-hmm. once a, a woman, a mom, saying to me, well, there's my daughter, and she's mad at her friend, and her friend is mad back at her, and they're each attacking each other. And I said to her, well, that, that kind of sounds like a fuck me, not, not so much a situation where one person is abusing somebody helpless. It kind of sounds like right. they're both fighting. And she said, well, it's bullying to me, which is kind of how mm. people speak. It's like the word means something to them, something emotional. But when you read about research on bullying, it's really important to understand that what we're talking about is not even a bitter, you know, angry fight or when people's feelings are hurt, even when their feelings are hurt badly. That's, that's not the definition. The definition is when somebody deliberately attacks another person over and over and over again, and their target cannot defend themselves. Cyberbullying wow. okay. is the same thing, but in a digital you know, environment. But a lot of right. it doesn't really make sense in a digital environment. It's much harder to define. And so basically what we're looking for when we study it is a situation where somebody is, you know, being mean to someone over and over again. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. Right. It's something on mm-hmm. purpose. And, uh, again, they're really trying uh, to make your life miserable. And um, kids, you know, it depends on the, the study. Some studies cyberbullying is worse. In some studies, they say it's not as bad as bullying in school. Um, so, you know, it's kind of hard to, to gauge which one is more harmful. But 
we know that neither one of these are normal. These, this isn't just, you right. know, fight, that's normal. Kids say mean things, that's normal. But bullying is like taking it to the extreme, and it's not normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, that it's not the simple, um, you know, acts of, you know, youth, you know, or growing pains or that kind of thing. It's, it's uh, yeah. Right. So, that's right. Yeah. So now, when it comes time to, um, you know, uh, looking at maybe the causes of bullying, um, you know, is and I, I was reading through the myths, you know, of your 25 myths, and um, I, I have to admit that there were so, so many of them, I just was like, wow, you know. Um, yeah. So <laughs> what, one of them, I, I believe, was something to the effect that, um, you know, uh, that someone who becomes a bully, you know, the, it's a family thing, um, you know. Yeah. Can you t- can you talk a little bit, not necessarily the family thing, but, you know, what are the, the, the myths around some causes and what are some actual causes? You know, I, I'm sure there yeah. are dozens, but, but can you just kind of give us right. an idea of, of both? Mm-hmm. Well, you're totally right. It's a really complicated behavior, and it's really hard sometimes to know why kids do this. We know that kids who seem healthy in other ways, you know, kids who have friends and do okay in school, even do well in school, these kids are sometimes, you know, really vicious bullies. Sometimes kids try it out, and then they never do it again. That sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea, you know, one of the ideas that I hear quite a lot in the field is like, well, kids who are bullies come from parents who are bullies. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's probably true that parents who are bullies are much, much more likely to produce kids who are bullies. That's probably true. But I do know that there are cases of kids who have really genuinely concerned and caring parents, but they they end up doing bullying anyway. So I guess what I'm saying is Um, I don't think we should jump the gun. If a kid is a bully, I don't think that automatically means they have horrible parents, you know, who don't love them and don't care about them. Um, I think that uh, uh, it's really important to remember that because, you know, what we really want when a kid turns out to be a bully is for them to stop bullying. I mean, it's both for their sake and for their target's sake. We want them to stop. And sort of demonizing their parents isn't, isn't helpful in this process. No, no, it wouldn't be. And, you know, and, and I kind of figured it was just a, a one of those unique um, kinds of behaviors that really doesn't follow any rhyme or reason, you know, um, yeah. as far as, you know, trying trying to predict, you know, that, that type of behavior. Um, absolutely, so, so absolutely. Now, yeah, yeah. So now knowing about, you know, bullying behavior, um, is there any way that a parent can um, either prevent or maybe, you know, I mean, because when we're looking at, at bullying, of course, there are obviously the two sides to the coin, the bully, you know, and the person right. experiencing the behavior. Um, so, you know, and, and as a parent, I mean, you could be on either side of that coin. Um, so when you think about bullying behavior, um, for a parent, what would be some signs maybe that they would um, might be able to be aware of 
to recognize mm. it, or is this how, how you know? You know, I'm thinking of the way of maybe um, if not prevention of you know maybe by making sure kids are empowered or you know or or only right. feel you know over powerful. Um, but sure. uh, but uh, yeah, but but you know the thing it, is, it is my, really my thought is, is if, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. It could be really hard to to know for sure. You know, I I I don't think it's that unusual for parents to have really no idea that their kid is doing this to other people. But having said that, um, one of the things that that does seem uh, to ward it off, uh, kids being involved in in bullying behaviors, that is, is having parents who really emphasize. Um, the importance of being sort of a moral person or a good person, you know, so having parents who really push that idea and really live it and really emphasize to kids um, that they have to treat others well, by the way, including their siblings, uh, which is a really kind of interesting thing is looking at kids and their sibling relationships. You know, when we think about the families we grow up in, most people think about parents, but the siblings that, have and how you and your siblings have a relationship is incredibly important. I mean, your siblings are your first peers. They're they're the ones that you know you learn how to be sort of a peer with. And um, kids whose parents just sort of look the other way, you know, and think, mm. oh, and I don't blame anybody. I, I'm not suggesting that you no, know that parents no, do this. That. It was a bad, you know. But I think sometimes when you're a parent, you say, well, you know, it's just kids fighting or it's just kids being mean, you know, sometimes, you know, sisters and brothers are like that. But um, I think that uh, deciding early on that that you're, it's not going to be okay in your family for your kids Mm -hmm. to really be abusive to each other, uh, then, you know, that really is something that can protect your kids from getting involved because then it's really you know, it's really crystal clear to them what your values are about how you treat people. And, uh, you know, that's one of the most important things. When you And this is true, by the way, when you look at any kind of risky behavior, if you look at things like drinking, you know, or anything like that, um, you know, kids who whose parents are, don't talk about these issues conclude that their parents yeah. don't really care about them. But if yeah. you as a parent say, we're going to go out of our way to teach you how important it is to be good to other people, to think about other people's welfare, to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, um, you know, to treat each other well, we're going to really work on this, um, then your kids know exactly what your values are. And uh, even if they go against them, you know, they're probably not going to do it for very long. Yeah, that that's very true. And, you know, that, that role model and, you know, being um, uh, an example, you know, for, for, you know, kids not only to see, but, uh, you know, just be, become involved is, is, is really important. And, and, you know, the, that sibling um, friction that often happens, uh, you know, you're right. It's, I mean, it, would you, do you feel that the um, definition of bullying would apply to that particular situation, you know, the idea of a, concerted effort, you know, to make the other one miserable. And would, would that model fit in the sibling 
Um, oh, sure. Training? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. There's no doubt that sometimes siblings bully each other. And, you know, there's no doubt about that. And um, it's, I think it's a very, very destructive thing to allow between your kids. Uh, for one thing, it's really going to, you know, really wreck any chances that they're going to have a decent relationship when they're adults. Because, you know, people remember yeah. this kind of thing. They really do. And, it's, you know, it's very hard to get past it. And so I, I don't think there's any doubt that sibling relationships are really important, that parents kind of set the tone for what they expect siblings to be like. And um, I think that's something parents can really do to help avoid uh, kids becoming a bully that they often sort of, you know, we tend to think we need to think a little bit more about siblings. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And you're right. I mean, you're with them 24/7. So if anybody's going to know, you know, uh, you know, any consistent have any um, availability to have that happen, that's certainly the case. So, um, well, Dr. Engler, we're about halfway through the show. Um, I do want to mm-hmm. take a real quick 90-second break, and I do want to invite listeners if you would like to call in and ask. Dr. England or any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And then when we come back from the break, um, can we talk about, um, like, different types of bullying, like physical, psychological, you know? Sure. What are the different types of bullying, okay? Okay, we'll do. Great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site, is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again. Today, my very special guest is Dr. Elizabeth Englander, and we're talking about her new book, 25 Myths About Bullying and Cyberbullying. Um, Again, for more information, you can visit her website, which is www.englanderelizabeth.com. And with that, we're back. Dr. Englander, <laughs> thanks for saying me. Yep, I'm still here. <laughs> Great. And by the way, 
before we go too far, I do want to let listeners know that on your website, you have a wonderful section of, of downloads um, that are wonderful tools for people to, um, to use. So um, I just want to let them know that, I mean, you know, cyberbullying, okay. tech challenges, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it's just, I just want to let people know you have a wonder. in addition to good, great information, you have a wonderful resource of, of free downloads for people to explore. Great. Great. So let's talk about now types of bullying, like, for example, physical, psychological, um, and I don't know if there's any other, um, but is there any particular kind of uh, different well, types I or there, that, what are the variety? Yeah, there, there, this is actually one of the things that has changed a lot. So when I was a kid, physical bullying was common. Uh, and the way it happened was it happened away from the grown-ups where they couldn't see it. So, you know, behind the school gym or uh, something like that. And, uh, you know, physical bullying was, was fairly common. Today, though, one of the changes that's happened is that kids, generally speaking, don't bully each other physically nearly as much as they used to. Um, much more of it is psychological in nature. And, of course, everything that happens online is psychological because, yeah. um, you know, you can't, you, can't bo- you can't hit somebody through the Internet, at least not yet. So uh, it, it all, you know, it, it's all psychological. But um, that's one of the big changes. And the, the sort of way that that's changed everything is that now bullying can happen right in front of adults. Because it's not physical yeah. anymore, it can happen right in a classroom in front of adults. In fact, the classroom is one of the most common places it happens. So this fact can sort wow. of get people at loggerheads. You know, parents could say, could find out from their child that they're being bullied, you know, in school, and they could contact the teacher, and the teacher could say, hey, I haven't seen anything, and I would never just let that go. And the teacher is looking for the wrong thing. They haven't, they haven't been trained. They're still looking for the physical bullying that they used to see. Mm, and right. so they're sort of missing what's going on in front of them. And that means that can be very, very frustrating for parents and kids. So, it, you know, it's really, that's just, it's a great example of why it's really important to understand the reality of what's happening today and not sort of get mired back in the way things used to be, because everything today is really different. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that, you know, recognizing um, the the activity happening would really just, would require um, some really good attention to um the the behaviors and, and just yeah the behaviors of, of both sides the one bullying and, and one being bullied and I'm sure those would be kind of subtle and, and probably easily hidden but you know exactly I think that yeah that would be um you know that would be a challenge now I think one of the myths also was that you can't just take it away take away those phones that would that doesn't work does it um, yeah, taking away the phones it generally doesn't work. And, and, you know, I don't like to say that there's anything that won't work some of the time, but here's the thing. The, the biggest thing you want is you want your child to feel supported, right? 
and you want them mm-hmm. to be able to talk to you about these problems when they happen so you know what's going on. If you take away your child's cell phone, then the odds are you're never going to hear about anything else because they're not going to tell you. If they know that it means they might lose their phone, um, they're not going to tell you. And if they're the target of, of like social media problems, then they may feel that this is grossly unfair. They're just the target. Why are they getting punished? So, Mm. you know, it's Mm. tempting to do it, but it's not necessarily going to be very effective. The other reason that it's not going to work very well is that there are phones and devices everywhere now. So your child may not have their own cell phone on them, but they have access to 50,000 other cell phones on their (laughs) friends, school, Everywhere they go, they're they're not you're not getting them off the internet, and so you know it, it's it's really it's not that it would never work. I don't like to say never, but there are more effective right. things to do if you're trying to help a kid who's being targeted than you know punishing them by taking away their phone. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, one of the myths is that adults can't help kids with computer or internet issues since. Because kids know more than them, than the adult. Um, so, uh, obviously, the myth is they cannot, which means the truth is that they can. So, how, in which way right. can they, um, you know, let the, the child know that, that they are able to help, even if they don't know the technology? It really makes parents feel helpless. So, you know, your child says to you, oh, I'm being bullied on, you know, Flurby Gerby, which is this new app. <laughs> and you don't know uh-huh. anything about Flurby Gerby. You've never heard of it. You know, you don't know how it works. You don't know what it's about. And so you, you feel like, oh, how am I, you know, what do I do with this? But here's, here's the thing. Um, kids don't need help with, like, the technical details. Like, for example, you don't have to be able to say to your child, okay, let me show you how to close your account in Flurby Gerby, or let me show you how to download this other in this protective app. That's not the kind of help they need. What we find really consistently is what kids need help with, um, even online when they have problems, are sort of the common sense parts of it. So your child says, somebody's being mean to me on Flurby Gerby, and you say, why? And you, they say you well. I just took this this picture of them eating a big forkful of food at lunch, and I labeled it "har har what a pig," and I posted it on Furby oh. Gerby. I don't understand why they're mad. And you're like, okay, so let's talk about thinking about you know you thought it was a funny picture, they thought it was a mean picture. And let's talk about thinking about how the other person might feel before you post something. And so that's the kind of help that kids need, generally speaking. But it really usually doesn't have anything to do with the app. It has to do with what they're doing. And they don't have the common sense that adults have and the life experience to sort of figure out that something that may seem hilarious to you may be really hurtful to somebody else. Yeah, that's important, and the, the just the empower recognizing 
um, that, you know, their basic, the child making decisions, you know, and recognizing that they have, you know, the ability to choose, you know, different types of actions, you know, and I think getting them to think ahead of time. Yeah. Because a lot of times, I mean, they're, I mean, in this society, it's, we're kind of so fast. I mean, we run on automatic a lot of times. And then and I think a lot of times people just don't, um, you know, don't give thought as to you know, right. what they're communicating. And, and certainly there are plenty of times adults do things without thinking. I mean, gosh, you know, where would we begin, right, <laughs> yeah. today to talk about that? But, um, you know, children are, <clears throat> excuse me, are even more apt to be that way. And so, you know, they don't, they just haven't had enough experience to sort of compare. And so we kind of sometimes have to draw the lines for them. You say, well, you know, your friend Jennifer didn't like that photo on Flurby Gerby. Remember last month when you had a big problem because somebody posted that photo of you in your ugly Christmas sweater and you got really mad? Remember that? how that felt to you, well, maybe that's how Jennifer feels this time because you posted the photo of her. And, you know, we got to kind of draw the line. None of this has anything to do with technology. And so don't, right. don't be distracted by the phones and by the fact that it's happening on a screen. Here's yeah. what's going on. And ask them what's led to them. Nine times out of ten, it's really not going to be a technological issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very true. Um, so now, one one of the um, other uh, areas of um, that was a myth, you know, the idea of <laughs> an effective way, an effective way to handle bullying um, is that revenge <laughs> is an effective yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so you know, and. Okay, I understand, you know, let's talk a little bit about why someone would think that, that revenge would be a good way to yeah. stop it. But um, well, it, but um, also maybe even just even kind of um, the you know, idea of having something reciprocal, you know, doing something, you know, in turn, not necessarily, yeah. you know, of the same. So you know, yeah. tell us about that because I know there's a lot of people out there that think that, that why not? You know, an eye for an eye, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and and I think sometimes people get con- they confuse sticking up for themselves with revenge. I think those two ideas kind of get confused. And then I mm-hmm. think what makes it even more confusing is that, you know, if you were a kid 30 years ago, then your parents might have said to you, if somebody's bullying you, hit them back and they will leave you alone. And you might have done that and it might have worked. Because sometimes when bullying was, you know, frequently physical, that actually was, you know, and it, when it was done away from, you know, where adults saw, that, that was a, mm-hmm. a strategy that sometimes worked. But today it won't work at all. Today this won't work at all. So if you tell your kids to hit back, the chances are it's your kids that are going to get into trouble. That may seem unfair, but the rules, the rules today are no hitting, and people, adults just don't tolerate that. So sometimes people today will actually try to get the target to hit them. Like it's a way to bully somebody. If I can get you so upset that you hit me, I'll turn around and get you in trouble with the grown-ups. 
So it's yeah. really not a good strategy. And then, of course, the bully will just go around and make their lives miserable on social media where they can't hit back at all. So it's, it's yeah. just not a good it's just not a good strategy. It's not one that, you know, that generally works. What we find works much better is for kids to really, um, uh, really focus on social support. So, you know, what, when we said to kids who were bullied, what is it that helped you the most? By far, the number one thing was, hey, I stuck with my friends you know, they were, they helped me out, they made me feel okay, they reminded me that people like me, and, you know, that made me not care so much, mm. frankly. And so, you know, that seems to be, I, I realize that it's not sort of as satisfying as the fantasy, you know what I mean, of, you know, <laughs> no. of life right. revenge, you know, I get that. But, you know, sometimes... um I think that uh, people forget that the whole point about bullying is to sort of wear people down and make them feel worthless. Yeah. So if you can well, you know, prove it, to yourself that you're not worthless, you know, yeah, I was say, you know, know as, a, you know, as, as a parent, I, you know, I would think that if my child were being bullied, you know, one of my reactions might be to isolate you know, my child um, e- even from friends when, but it sounds like that's not what to do. The idea is to kind of encourage that friend uh, social Absolutely. circle. Absolutely. To remind yeah. them about their friends. Where are your friends? Where do they sit? This is happening at lunch. Where do your friends sit? Can you sit with them at lunch? Can they walk with you into the lunchroom every day? Um, you know, these are the kinds of techniques that really help kids cope and sort of feel better. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's great. You know, well, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, and, and I do understand sort of the vis- the visceral desire for revenge, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it's a bad yeah. idea. It really is. It's a bad idea because you're just, your kid's going to get in trouble for it. Maybe you don't care about yeah. that, but think about it this way. You want to raise a kid, right, who can cope and who can be really strong. Right. And a big part of being strong and resilient is not caring when people who you don't care about try to put you down. So, yeah, you know, exactly. you want to teach it, you know, you want to raise a kid who just knows how to take revenge or you want to raise a kid who says, hey, I don't care what this guy thinks. He doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that negative praising that negative juju is really not a good idea. Uh, because, yeah, you know the 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 what what you teach and what you you know um, instill as far as belief systems in you know those formative years are a lifetime. You know, and, and you know if you you go along the you know positive empowerment you know self esteem road. You know the mm-hmm. you know down down the way it's going to be you know a, a lot um, less stressful for for the child versus they kind of go down the other road. Um, you know, creating a lot. I mean, I've talked to many um, an author who have written about their how long it's taken to overcome some of those childhood um, misbeliefs that they were you know, that sure. instilled in them. That's right. It can be very damaging yeah. and build yourself up. You know, instead of becoming yeah. one of them, be better. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's not e- that's not always easy to do, 
But um, I don't think it's a surprise that kids told us it was the most successful strategy they used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes sense. It's a it's a pure kind of, um, you know, interaction, I guess. You know, and so yeah. it would make sense that the peers would be the ones, you know, to provide the support. Now, what what's your thought about, or is there a myth about uh, surrounding um, someone intervening when they see someone bullying someone else? You know, as far as, I mean, does that... Sure, like a bystander. What, yeah, what, a bystander, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Sure, well, bystanders can be wildly effective, but it depends on how they do it. Okay. So if okay. what they do is they um, attack the bully in public, like let's say they get in the middle and they say, you're just a jerk, nobody likes you, leave them alone. That can sort of feel very good in the moment, but it doesn't actually always end well. So what research has found is that, unfortunately, at a pretty um, high proportion of the times when people do that, about 75% of the time, it either doesn't stop the bullying in the long term or it actually makes it worse because the mm. bullies now been sort of humiliated and so they turn around and take it out on the target, you know, at some other time. On the other hand, though, if instead of confronting the bully, the bystander says to the target, you know something, don't pay any attention to him. He's just a jerk. Don't pay any attention to him. Come on with me. Let's go eat lunch together or let's go shoot some hoops on the on the playground while we're waiting for class to start again. Just ignore him. That is very effective. It always helps. Mm-hmm. It always makes the target feel better. It doesn't give the bully any attention, which is, of course, what they want. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it just sort of negates the whole episode. So bystanders yeah. are awesome. But they have to be, you have to make sure that, you know, you ask kids to do it right. The other problem yeah. with telling kids to to attack or to go after bullies is that it's an incredibly hard thing to do. Uh, and mm. uh, a lot of kids feel like they just don't, you know, they don't, they don't want to be so, they don't want to take so much right. risk on mm-hmm. themselves. So right. just helping out somebody who's being, a, who's being targeted is easier to do. And, it's something kids are more likely to feel comfortable doing. So all in all, it just seems to be a better strategy. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense, and, and uh, I can see where um, you know a you know attacking the bully is um, in a way giving them some of their own medicine. I mean, basically, it's that target you know that targeted um, approach. And now is. Is it uh, once a bully, always a bully? <laughs> or you know, is no, not, I, I you don't know. Think so. Yeah, okay. I don't think so. try it out because they think it might give them a little bit of social status. And so they're sort of thinking, well, you know, okay, I'll try it and see how it goes. Um, I think some kids do that. I think other kids, uh, you know, do it for a while because they're feeling badly about something. Um, but there are some kids who who do sort of seem to stick with it, you know, as a strategy, and yeah. you know that's that's kind of a shame. But uh, it's certainly not it's it's not a life sentence. I really don't think it is. And 
I think yeah. what we really should do with kids who are like that is really work with them on their social skills so they can do more positive things. You know, if they want to be leaders, great, but they don't have to abuse other people to be leaders. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, I think if you show them the power of um, some, you know, a, a leader you know, by working with positive versus, you know, being a bully that uh, the positive is going to be a much stronger and a much more loyal, you know, kind of, um, you know, relationship. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So, yeah. So now um, one of the things that you wonder is sometimes is that, um or I was looking at one of your um, myths that there was no point in forcing kids to be nice to each other because they'll just be mean again when the adults aren't there. So um, what you're saying mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, that um, kind of create, making, I don't say making, but I mean creating the, um, the opportunity for, you know, that nice approach um, is effective. And being able to yeah well um, I think that, that I think sometimes it's tempting to say you know I'm not going to fight this battle because um, you know whenever my back is turned anyway they're going to get into a fight and so you know there's no point there's no point um, and I think what that misses is the idea that part of what you're doing when you're saying to your kids don't talk like that to your little sister part of what you're doing is you're saying to your kids this is these are my values okay I have values about how people should treat each other and you have responsibilities as a big sister or a big brother and so I expect you to speak in a civilized voice to your siblings now it's true right I mean I'm not an idiot I know that when my back was turned my kids were sometimes mean to each other but um, nevertheless, <laughs> right. they knew what my values were about this. See, it goes back to right. the same old thing. If you don't say anything, your kids assume that you don't care and that to you this is not an important issue. But if you say something like, this is what I think you should do and this is what I expect you to do, then your kids know where you stand and they know what they're supposed to be like. And so yeah. that's why I think it's a really a myth to just sort of throw in the towel because kids are sometimes mean to each other when the adults aren't there. And that's true. Some, of course, of course, sometimes they are. But even so, you know, you want them to know where you stand and what you expect. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, I, was, I was going through and, and looking at the downloads on, on your website um, that people mm-hmm. can go ahead and, and view and download. And one of them that, you know, just kind of popped out is talking about sexting. Now, mm-hmm. you know, that was never an issue, <laughs> excuse me, yeah. you know, years ago. And, and, you know, this is what one area that I would think that a lot of parents might be uncomfortable in discussing. So can you, I mean, but I think, I mean, it seems like it's, it's a lot more um, prevalent than we would think. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I think that parents are pretty uncomfortable with it. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. 
um, I have to worry a lot about, but I think that some of the things um, that we were warned about early on in sexting don't really seem to be true dangers. So, for example, oh. um, a lot, there's a lot of that kids who um, sent a nude would never be able to get a job, you know, that lawyers would always see this. They wouldn't get into college. They wouldn't, you know, get babysitting mm. jobs or anything else. Um, so far, that really hasn't emerged as true. Okay. Most of the most of the photos are done in a private way, and even if right. they are mm-hmm. sent around, it's usually not, you know, they're not posted on public areas. Now, this is not to say that bad things cannot happen. I mean, certainly right, right. things but can general, happen. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, right. but I don't think that we as adults should look at this as like, oh, my gosh, if you do this, your life is over. Forget it. You know, you're never going to publish anything. <laughs> it's going to follow you your whole life. I really don't think that that's merited based on, on what we know. You know, one of the other things that we were all told is that these pictures always get sent around. And so if somebody sends mm-hmm. a nude photo, everyone sees it, like at school and everybody sees right. it. Actually, most of the time it appears these photos are not sent around, that the cases that we hear about are more like the exceptions rather than the rules. So, um, you know, it, in a way these, the truth of this makes it more complicated because I think when we first heard about sexting, it was like, wow, this is a crazy, dangerous thing. And we could talk about it like that. What it's kind of looking more like when you look at sexting now is that it's not so much a crazy, dangerous thing. It's kind of like beginning to be sexually active. You know, it's, something that could yeah. lead to really bad outcomes, but it doesn't always. And right. it's natural for kids to be interested. It's not, you know, it's not perverted or anything. And um, some yeah. kids report very positive experiences with it, just as they do with being yeah. sexually active. So I kind of think that's how we have to think about it. We have to, we have to kind of roll sending nude pictures in with being sexually active. You know, let's talk about the risks. Let's make sure you understand right. what some of the dangers could be. Let's make sure you understand the context of relationships. You know, what does this have to do yeah. with relationships? Um, you know, what does this have to do with issues like trust? And what does this yeah. have to do with, you know, people you care about and, and think about how it's going to make you feel afterwards. Does it, you know? And when you look at the the things that happen that are bad after sexting, it's usually emotional. Mm-hmm. It's usually kids saying they're worried about the photo or they're kind of depressed about the, the fact that right. they sent it. Like it's not so much that they lost the job, you know, or that they didn't get into college. <laughs> that's not what they. Right. That's not the outcome they talk about. The outcomes they talk about are emotional. So. Just like wow. with sex, wow. becoming sexually active. So, so I think that's kind of where we have to park this car, you know, is is part of yeah. part of becoming sexual today for kids, and we need to talk about it with them like that. Yeah. Well, you know, throughout the show, when we talked about the different topics, it seems that 
a lot of it just boils down to talking with your kids, not to your kids, but talk with them and listen to what they have to say. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's absolutely right. And, you know, one of the things I, I always tell parents is, like, you can forget everything. Parents come to talk sometimes, you know, that I give. And I say, you can forget everything I said today. If the only thing you do is resolve to go home and just talk with your kids, how things are going with them and how things are going with them socially and how are their friends and what games are they playing and what social media are they using and what are things like at school? You know, and uh, who do you sit with at lunch? You know, and and those kinds of questions, just saying, you know, I'm interested in how you're doing socially. I want to know how things are going every now and then. I just want to talk about it and check in with you. That really does seem to be the most powerful thing by far. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time, Dr. Englander. This has really been great. Um, I've really learned a lot, and I'm sure the listeners did as well. And, um I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Oh, thanks for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. Now, you are on Facebook, and um, I sent you a little friend request today, so I hope that we can connect there and, and uh, okay. keep in touch. Good. Thank you. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my very special guest has been Dr. Elizabeth Englander, and we've been talking about her new book, 25 Myths About Bullying and Cyberbullying. And I'll let you know from personal experience, I was shocked at how many of those myths I believed were facts. So definitely check out her book. Um, also, if you are a, an educator or administrator, um, she also offers a, a lot of information for you as well. So um, you can visit her website, which is www.englanderelizabeth.com, and you'll be able to find all of that information there. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.